Thanks for hanging out with us today on the Ascent Church Podcast. We hope this encourages you and meets you exactly where you are. Whatever battle you're fighting, know that you are not alone, and we're all in this together. Here's today's message. Ascent Church, it's so good to have you here today. Happy Easter to you. My name's Thomas Lane. Some of y'all call me T. Lane. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent Church, and happy Easter. What we say every Easter is this, it's He has risen. He's risen indeed. That's what we're celebrating today. And I don't know where you are, probably at home, probably with the fam. Maybe you're going solo, but wherever, we'd love it if you would check in on social media just to show us where you're at. Do that. Take a selfie, maybe the dog, maybe the food, maybe the watch party, whatever, and uh, let's celebrate it. You can tag us, Ascent Church VA. Let's keep the party going. Now, this may go down as the weirdest Easter of all time. And I really hope you look back and you're able to say, like, listen, this was a crazy Easter. Like, this is the weirdest thing we ever went through. I don't even know, like, protocol for an Easter like this. Like, am I supposed to, like, dress up? Am I supposed to just be in my PJs? Because you know how Easter is usually, right? Are you with me? Like, usually, you know, you get a cute little Easter outfit. You get all dolled up. The kids are looking good. Like, I don't know how that works today. Like, do you put the kids in, like, their Easter outfit and then, like, plop them on the couch? Or are they just, is everyone in the clothes that we've been wearing the last like three or four weeks? I don't quite know. Are we doing an Easter egg hunt? Are we doing like a virtual Easter egg hunt? I don't know how any of this works, but thank you for being flexible. Thank you for being cool. Thank you for rolling with us. And you may be wondering, um, how does Easter relate to me and my situation right now? Some of you might be upset that I'm even talking about Easter. I saw one dude online, (laughs) this is not a joke, trying to have a petition to push Easter to a different date. Because he's like, let's do this in July. Let's do this in August when all this is gone. It's crazy because like you, you may be upset because you're like, dude, I got all this fear and this confusion and anxiety. And you're telling me about Easter, the holiest day of the year. Well, Easter actually really, it really does. Trust me, it really relates to everything we're going through. Because you may be struggling with hope. You may be struggling with hope and really being like, where's God in this? Maybe you had some hopes dashed, right? Like maybe you had some economic hopes dashed or some plans dashed or some opportunities destroyed. You may in this season be struggling with hope. And that actually ties in perfectly because the early church in the very first Easter, they were hailing Jesus as king. They were hailing him as the son of God, as king. And he came into the city. He came into Jerusalem and he accepted that title as king. And they had so many hopes that he was gonna finally make things right that he was gonna give them freedom and joy and eternity. But at the end of that week, he was left deserted, tortured, hung on a cross. Their hopes were dashed. So if you're struggling, if you're like, how do I relate to Easter? I want you to know this and I want you to understand this. If you're struggling with hope, that is how it connects. Now, maybe you're going through like a serious thing, like a job loss, or you're just beyond stress, the fact that the kids have been home for so long, right? And all your plans are gone. Maybe you're stressed due to an illness. Um, I just want you to know we're praying for you. We're behind you. We're with you. Maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's something tiny. Maybe you're just mad that it's warm and you can't go to the beach, right? Maybe you're just frustrated at that. We can go to the beach for two things. We can go to the beach to exercise. I'm certainly not going for a run, so don't even try me. And you can also go if you're going fishing, which I don't quite understand. (laughs) I think it's kind of weird, but that's the law. That's the rules. I know some joker, and I want you to comment below. Don't you lie to me. Some one of you went to Walmart and you bought a fishing pole and you don't know anything about fishing, but you went to the beach, you stuck it in the sand and you said, I'm fishing, okay? Leave me alone. I'm fishing. I'm doing my thing. That's what someone's going to do because I know you're stressed out. I know it's crazy, but I just want to remind you, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. 
Now, hope is the context of Easter. So that's what we're really digging into this concept today. But I think the main problem we have, the main struggle is a question. And the question is this. The question is, are we alone? Are we alone? Because when we struggle with hope, that's the struggle. We're asking like, am I alone in this? Is it just me against the world in this? So many things seem out of control. Are we alone? It reminds me of a, of a time with my oldest son, Thomas the Fourth. We call him T4. He's probably two and a half or three at the time. And um, there was this bad storm, okay? We're in, we're in our bed, he's in his room, and there was this bad storm, thunder, lightning, and he comes in our room, he's crying. It's like the middle of the night, it's like 2 a.m. He comes in and he's bawling. I'm having nightmares, I'm scared, and I was so tired, I was tempted, I was tempted to just bring him in our bed and say, dude, just go to bed in our bed, just sleep in our bed, everything will be fine. But I don't want that to start a habit, right? Because I don't know about you, but like my bed's like a special place. It's like a sacred place. Like I don't want my kid in my bed. Now, some of you do that whole co-sleeping thing. That's fine if that's you, if that's your thing, if that's your cup of tea, that's cool. I'm not judging you, that's fine. But I actually like to sleep, okay? I actually like to sleep because I've had my kid in my bed and there's a lot of kicking and crawling and drooling and pulling. Some of you, I'm not making funny, but some of you have the dogs in the bed too. I definitely don't get that. I don't understand the kids. I certainly don't get the dog, okay? But if that's you, that's fine. If that's your baby, that's fine. I don't get the drool and the hair and that, but that, that's cool. I wasn't about to do that, okay? But that, that's not my thing. So I said, buddy, it was tough. I said, buddy, you gotta go back to your bed, okay? So I took him back to his room and I put him in bed and I'm like, I'm trying everything. I'm doing stories. I'm doing songs. I'm like bargaining with the kid. I was like, I'll give you my debit card. I'll give you the car keys. You can go for a quick lap. If, like, I'll do anything. Just go to sleep. It was like a reverse hostage negotiation. I was like, I will do anything to get you to stay here, to stay put, to not come out. And he just wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling it. So finally, we arrived here. All right. It's like two, three in the morning. We said, okay, you're going to get in your bed and you're going to go to sleep. And I'm going to sleep on the floor. Okay, so I got a pillow, I got a blanket, and I'm hoping the second he falls asleep, you know, I'll go back to my bed, my special place, he is his bed, everything's fine. We're good. So he's in his bed, I'm on the floor, and I'm singing, and I'm talking, and he finally falls asleep. He starts breathing real slow. I'm like, he's asleep, he's finally asleep, this is great. And I wait, I wait like 30 seconds, like 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And some of you parents know what I'm talking about. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I'm like, okay, he's finally asleep. He finally sleep. And I'm about to get up. I'm about to leave. And I hear through the darkness, through the stillness, I hear, Daddy, Daddy. I said, I'm here, buddy. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. He goes back to sleep. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And finally, he falls back to sleep. Another 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And I'm like, finally, it's time. It's time. I can go. I can go back to my bed. He can do his thing. And then I hear out of the silence, I hear, I said, buddy, I'm here. Daddy's here. Y'all, isn't this the question we all ask when things are dark, when we're afraid, when things are uncertain? It's the same question. You don't have to be two or three. You can be, you can be completely grown. It's this. It's daddy, are you here? Are you still here? Are you still with me? Do you still have a plan? Are you still involved? Daddy, are you still here? And the question comes down to who will answer our call? Who will answer our call? On April 16th, 2007, I was a freshman at Virginia Tech. Love that school. It's amazing. And on that day, um, something actually terrible happened. This is my class ring. I wear it sometimes. It wouldn't fit on me today. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it's my quarantine diet 
or what's going on. It wouldn't fit. So I wanted to show it to you. And there's all these memories of school, football, basketball, the college you're in, all, all these little memories. But there's one little part you may not even notice that there's a mountain landscape and above it, there's eight little stars. And if I were to show you my ring, you wouldn't be like, what are those eight stars for? Those eight stars represent the eight classmates of mine that were killed on that morning of April 16th, 2007, that did not get to walk with us at graduation. 33 total students that day passed away. Dozens more were injured. Hundreds and thousands more were scarred. And there's so many memories I have of that day. I could write books on it. I, I can't explain the whole story to you now. But one memory in particular was that my dad just wanted to talk to me. The phone lines were jammed. You couldn't text someone. You could barely get online because everyone was just crowding it, trying to talk to friends and family. And I was able to talk to my mom to say, hey, mom, tell everyone I'm okay. I'm safe. Tell dad, tell everyone. But that wasn't enough. My dad wanted to talk to me. He wanted to hear my voice. There's that sacred bond really between parent and child. And in a tragedy, you just want to hear their voice. One of the saddest parts of that day was a story from the policeman and the EMTs. Because some students, a friend of mine actually, he had to run so fast out of his classroom, he had to leave his phone, everything behind, he had to jump out of a window to survive. Some people were injured, some people were killed. And as the EMTs and police were, were you know, taking students out of the classrooms, whether they were injured or, or if they had passed away, they shared that a lot of their phones were ringing. As they were carrying them out, their phones were ringing. Can you imagine the calls, the voicemails, the text messages, people saying, why haven't I heard from you? Are you okay? Are you there? Call me. That is our question in a tragedy. That is where our heart is. You just want to know that you're not alone. You want to hear their voice. Here's what Easter means. That in the pain, in the darkness, in a tragedy, that we are not alone. Follow me, we're going here to Luke chapter 24. We're gonna read verses one through eight. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the, woman, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Jesus had been crucified on Friday. It's now Sunday morning. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. I just wanna say, if you're new to this whole God thing, this whole church thing, that's completely okay, that's fine. But I want you to know this idea is worth exploring. So many of us have our picture of God based on maybe a YouTube video or like an angry professor with an agenda in college or a graduate assistant in college or someone maybe like a neighbor or an uncle or a great uncle or someone, how they treated you when you were little. Listen, who Jesus Christ is and whether what he said about himself was true or not, this is the most important and fundamental question that each and every one of us have to decide on. This is not a controversial statement to say Jesus Christ is the most influential person ever to walk the face of the earth. And we cannot live in this life with any intellectual integrity if we just ignore that. We have to explore it. We have to seek it out. Now, I always assumed that the tomb was open, and you probably did too, so that he could get out. I always assumed that he, he was raised from the dead and he moved the, the, the stone aside and he walked out and went about his thing. But that's not the case, actually. Because we see very soon in the Gospels, there's this time all the disciples, they're like locked in a house. They're scared, they're locked in a room. And Jesus just kind of appears among them. He didn't really care about the laws of physics. He kind of did his own thing. Jesus did not open the tomb and leave it open for him to get out. Y'all, he did so for us to get in. He's inviting us to, to take a look. The open tomb was not an emergency exit. It was an invitation. It was saying, come in, have a look, have a sneak peek, really figure out who God is and what's going on here. And he's inviting you to do the same thing today. 
verse three. It says, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, they're thinking about it, they're reasoning through it. Suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Somebody say, remember, remember, think, look back. Remember how he told you the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Verse eight, then they what? They remembered his words. Somebody say it with me. We just, we just saw it twice. Let's say it again. They remembered. Listen, Easter means I wasn't alone. Easter means God has been working all this time. Behind the scenes, he has a plan, even if I don't understand it. That's point one. I know so many of you take notes, you jot it down because it's a lot to process. That's point one. I wasn't alone. When you look back, I wasn't alone. He's been working all this time, all this time. All this time when I was running from God, all this time when I was ignoring him and ignoring his love, all this time I was doing my own thing, I wasn't alone. God was always calling me. He was pursuing me. He was chasing me down. All this time, you weren't alone. All this time, you weren't alone. You weren't alone when you lost that job. You weren't alone when you entered that struggle. You weren't alone when you got the news that you were struggling with infertility. You weren't alone when you got laid off your job. You are not alone alone. That's the first thing of Easter that you need to know. I wasn't alone. Because of Easter, because Jesus, of of who he is, and because he was raised from the dead, when we look back and remember, it doesn't seem like God has a plan, does it? But he has had a plan this entire time. When we do what they did, you got to, don't panic, just relax. Look around and remember. That's point number one. I wasn't alone. Let's get on to point two. Point one was I wasn't alone, past tense. Point one, or sorry, point two is this. Easter means I am not alone. I'm not alone. Because let's be honest, when the first Easter happened, when when Jesus was crucified and all this, there's a lot of uncertainty and fear. And where we are as a nation, as a world, the same thing is going on. You might vocalize this, you might not, but you may be thinking, listen, does God care? Is he mad at me? Is he mad at us? People have asked me, is God like mad? Like what's going on? Has he forgotten about us? Is he even real? Here's what I love. Here's what I love. You are looking at a situation in your life and you're looking at it and you're, you're, you're stepping back and you're saying, listen, this seems awful. It seems like a tragedy. How could God ever work any good through what I'm facing right now? How could he do it? And the answer is, I don't know why bad things happen. But what I do know is this, at the very first Easter, those early Christians, they were saying the same thing. They looked at their Lord, their savior, their hero. They looked at Jesus Christ hung up on a cross, being tortured, dying. They looked at him on the cross and you know what they said? They said, how could God ever do anything good through that? How could God ever bring anything good out through this? How could God possibly bless me or bring good or help the world through that? That's what they said. And what they didn't know is God was actually giving them the greatest gift he had ever given them through that inconceivable act. He brought them their salvation. But they all looked at it and they said, what could God possibly do through this tragedy? Y'all, I don't know why bad things happen. And I'm not gonna pretend to. I'm not gonna give you a list and say everything's just gonna be okay. But listen, I don't know why bad things happen, but listen, it can't be that he doesn't care. 
It can't be that he isn't kind. It can't be that he isn't close or that he doesn't have a plan or that he doesn't love us. His greatest act of love was on the cross and the response was the same thing that you're feeling now. What could God possibly bring out of this? If you feel that, or if you've ever felt that, you're in good company. You're in good company. Because that's what we're talking about right now. I am not alone. In the midst of this, I am not alone. Easter means that God loves you so much, he was willing to get involved in your suffering. Now, Christianity, it's easy to look at and say, oh, it's just like any other belief, any other religious system, any other philosophy. You just follow the rules and you'll be blessed. There you go. But it's so, so different. If you go to Barnes & Noble, which you, which you can't right now because it's closed. If you go online or if you go when the quarantine's lifted, if you go and you could go to the religion section, philosophy section, self-help section, you'll see a ton of books, hundreds of books, hundreds of belief systems, religions that say, hey, follow these three steps, you'll be blessed. Follow these 10 steps, everything will work out. Follow the checklist, do this, don't do that, and everything will work out. And people think the same is is true of Christianity, but it's actually the opposite. Christianity is not a checklist that says, hey, do this, do this, do that, climb up the ladder and get to God. It's the opposite. Christianity says, God loved you so much in your pain, in your darkness, in your isolation and your suffering that he came down the ladder to get you, to rescue you, to bring you home. It is the exact opposite. Here's what Christianity means. Here's why Jesus came. It's, he, he essentially came so we could switch places. Jesus essentially said, hey, I'm gonna take everything they deserve and they can have everything I deserve. It's a fancy word, but it's called substitutionary atonement. He atoned for our sins as our substitute. He said, look, I wanna die in their place. And that's what he did. Jesus Christ did this. He lived this perfect life in obedience to God. He lived the life I should have lived. He lived the life you should have lived and perfect obedience and submission to God. And you know what Jesus also did? He died the death I should have died. He was separated from God. He was cast out of God's presence. I do not deserve to be in God's presence, in the presence of a holy, perfect God, because I have sinned in my life. I've dropped the ball more times than I can remember, intentionally and unintentionally, and I think you're the exact same way. Jesus Christ lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died, so I can have all the blessings that he deserves that love, that honor, that acceptance, and to be ushered into God's presence. That is what he did. Easter means right now, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I was not alone in the past. That's point one. Point two is this, I am not alone. And once again, church, once again, friends, this I'm, I'm not gonna give you a list. I'm not gonna say, oh, this is the reason bad things happen. Listen, I don't know why, but it can't be that he's not kind. It can't be that he doesn't care. It can't be that he's not close. Easter means that I was not alone. Easter means I am not alone. Point three is this. Easter means I will never be alone. That's the final idea. That's the final point. I will never be alone. We're talking past, present, and future. I was not alone. I am not alone. And I will never be alone. Do y'all remember the parents reaching out to the kids? Y'all remember that? Like, y'all remember all the parents? I know it's such a a, a horrible story. All the parents calling the kids who had passed away or who were hurt, wanting to reach out. Y'all, this reminds me of something that we, we really can't ignore. Jesus Christ on the cross, don't forget it. He reached out to his father. That's what he did. 
That sacred connection right between parent and child. Jesus was trying to do the same thing. Look at Matthew 27, 45 and 46. It says this, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried out, my God, my God. This is the same thing we felt. God, why aren't you here? I need you now more than ever. You've abandoned me. You've left me. You're no longer here. This is the fear. This is that greatest fear we've been talking about, to reach out in the midst of a storm and to be met with silence. Jesus Christ on the cross was completely and utterly alone in the midst of the storm. His friends have rejected him. The world had rejected him. The disciples rejected him. God himself had rejected him. Jesus walked through our greatest fear so you wouldn't have to. Jesus Christ, in the middle of a storm, cried out, Daddy, and was met with silence so that you, in the midst of any storm, can cry out, Daddy, and you can hear your heavenly Father say, my child, I'm right here. Listen to me. If you're in Christ, this is what Easter means to you. Don't forget it. It means I was not alone. It means I am not alone. And it means I will never be alone. One more little story for you. I referenced those shootings earlier, and I hate to keep talking about it, but this, this story, I, I, think it'll, I think it'll speak to some of you. There was a mother whose daughter was actually killed in the shooting. And when the dust settled, when things start to, you know, when, the, when, when things started to get a little bit more normal, slightly normal, she happened to check her phone and she noticed something. She noticed that she had a voicemail from her daughter who had just passed away. Now I want to ask you, do you think this mother listened to that voicemail? Of course she did. Do you think that spoke hope to her? Her daughter, essentially, from beyond the grave, was saying, Mommy, I'm okay. I'm here. And I want you to know God the Father did something far, far more powerful than that. He didn't give us a voicemail from Jesus. He didn't give us a letter. He didn't give us a story or words or even, even his teaching. God the Father gave us Jesus Christ himself back. And listen, you need to understand nothing will ever be able to take him away. Nothing can separate us from his love. Here's what Easter means. Here's what the resurrection means, that we have him. And nothing can separate us from his love. Easter means this. It means I was not alone. It means that I am not alone. And friends, it means I will never be alone. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you today. God, in the midst of something we've never faced before, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of a storm, and I ask you that right now you can make these truths just cut us deep. May they penetrate our hearts that I was not alone. God, that I am not alone and that I will never be alone. We hope you enjoyed this message and we'd love to stay connected. So make sure to click subscribe. We love to spread the word and you can help take the message to others. Leaving a quick review, sharing it with someone or connecting with us on social all make a huge difference. A special thanks to you who give generously to make this ministry possible. And if God is calling you to partner with us, visit us at ascentchurch.net. We love you and know that you are not alone.